Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the garage of solitude in Whitestone, Queens, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And from the Watchtower in Long Island, New York, I'm Brett Miro, and this is the Fanboy Podcast, episode 175. 175. And you know, it feels like we just did this. Because we kind of just did. Full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording this a full 24 hours before we normally would. Uh, You see, we usually record uh, at about 10 o'clock on Thursday nights. And uh, this time we will not have the ability to do that because I have a rare DJ event this week on a Thursday night. And we want to get back on our weekly schedule. So we were not going to let this week go by. We promised you a show on Friday and you are getting a show on Friday. Now... That means that right now it's only Wednesday, and it's only been 72 hours since we recorded episode 174, and really, not a whole hell of a lot's happened in the last three days. (laughs) We've got some great topics lined up for you, and we're ready, we're gassed up and ready to talk, but uh, yeah, not a whole ton has happened, and something that definitely has not happened is we did not get any of those DCU announcements from James Gunn just yet. Now, in the event that those that that announcement happens tomorrow uh maybe we'll you know, we'll try to film like a cut in i could try to add something i might do something solo on my own before my yeah. event or we'll Brett, do our you best. know if try. something major comes up we'll try to update so that by the time the show comes to you on friday we have something to share on that front but as of wednesday night there has been no formal announcement as of yet about the dcu's slate uh, there's been an interesting kind of tease about how James Gunn is looking at that, but we're going to get into that in a little while. But um, yeah, here we are. It's Wednesday night. We're ready to record. And uh, why don't you get us started, Brett, with anything you've watched or played in the last three days that you kind of feel like sharing with people? I mean, in the last three days, I think I've been doing the same crap that we talked about the other day. Um, <laughs> Great. Uh, I guess uh, I... Uh, we we did. Um, when did we record? Sunday it was night. On Sunday night. Right after Last of Us. Yeah, that's right. After Last of Us. Oh, so like I talked. Yes, yeah, so like I can't even talk about that because we, like, we talked about it already. Um, yeah. <laughs> sure. So, <laughs> I think have I seen anything else in the last two days? We we certainly watched something. Um, no, I don't think so. I just I've been still Great. playing Ghost Ghost of uh, Tsushima. Um, oh no, yeah. uh, we can talk about one thing. So, new yeah. game wise, this month on PlayStation Plus, they put <laughs> WWE 2K22 out. And, you know, I'm like a lapsed wrestling fan, but I still kind of keep abreast of it. I used to love the old games. We talked about this a million times WCW was NWO. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. WrestleMania 2000. Uh, then there was Revenge uh, or whatever. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, um, well, there was Revenge. There was WCW no Mercy. World Tour. And then, yeah, No Mercy, that was the big one. That was like... Those were the, the ones, old, like, the old, like, uh, you know... Era. Yeah. Uh, whatever developers are, like, he was a... Uh, I don't even know what the developers anymore. Anyway, the ones that had the cool, it was like... THQ, the Elder Strong AKI. Grapple. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. THQ and Aki. Okay, so those yeah. games. And then I haven't really touched them after that. I, I think I played some of the Acclaim ones when it was, like, the Attitude Era for WWE, but those were, like, clunky as hell. So, anyway, it was free, so I was like, all right, I'll download it. So I played a couple of matches, and then actually the the night before we recorded this on Tuesday night, had an impromptu Mac uh, match against. He decided to challenge me. Well, you what got a fool. You me. are. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you were like, you're like, 
on Sunday, you were like, hey, I got WWE 2K. True, I did. want to have a match? I'm like, all right, if you want to lose, you noob. But so uh, I recorded on played... Tuesday. Yeah, I recorded my Last of Us uh, <laughs> weekly podcast of the chatter after. And then I literally launch up my PlayStation 5. I literally am on for about two seconds and I just get a text. You want to play WWE? I said, let's do it. Yeah. So Mario and I played two matches online. Um, he let me win the first one. And then the second <laughs> one, he he properly beat me because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting better, though. I did improve over those two matches, I think. I was yeah. starting to get well, the time. Well, let me ask out. you, actually. Yeah. You know, so considering your last round of playing wrestling games was, uh, oh, 20 years ago, uh, and those games were acclaimed for their ability to just be pick up and play friendly and more of like an arcade situation than a simulation type deal. Uh, how did it feel? How, what do you think of how d the 2K series controls and all that kind of stuff. Does it feel... Uh, yeah, so I understand, if I'm not mistaken, too, like, they did a controller reconfiguration for 2K22. Because that, that was the first game they took, like, a year off, didn't they? And I think they kind of looked at things. Um, yeah, they did. Okay. So, because I think I did play, like, a few years ago, maybe at your house, like, just looking around. I remember yeah. being lost. So I was surprised. This was pretty pick-up-and-play. So if you're, like, a lapsed wrestling okay. fan, you were worried, like, oh, these things are getting complicated, too many buttons... I think for the most part, it does play like those old school games. I mean, there's like a dedicated, there's two dedicated striking buttons. There's a dedicated grapple button. And then it's pretty much you're either pressing two, one of two buttons and then like a direction. And, and that's really what yeah. those games were. So it's pretty close, but there's like an added layer with, um, you know, timing the reversals, like the counter. Mm -hmm. uh, and like also there's like a couple of those cool, um, if you guess the right button that the opponent's pressing during a grapple, you could do a reversal. Yeah. I think that's like a cool element just to like give it a little bit of more of a challenge or a skill um so yeah, yeah i was actually i think it's pretty pretty cool pick up and play um i will say that like you know it's definitely uh some of the the thing that i find annoying and like listen i i it's a game that i'm sure it's super hard to develop for with like collision detection and the different models and there's just so many yeah. things but you know there's some like very drawn out animations and that can be corny. Like it, it's like they didn't program the interrupting of animation. So if there's a character like still has to do like you know a six second animation for a move, and you try to like kick him during that, like there's no reason yeah, you could run him over with a car while he's doing that. It they finished the animation. He, he's like, no, I'm in the middle of taking this chair out from under the <laughs> ring. So you could do whatever you want, and yeah. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna react. Yeah, I know. So yeah. I find that a little obnoxious. And with the reversals, I wish there was um. You know, maybe if they telegraphed uh, a little better, like when it was time to hit the button. And I get maybe that's, that's kind of like you'll get the hang of. Yeah, that, that, yeah I think you will after playing, playing and playing. But I feel yeah. like it'd be nice to have like a little some kind of something or maybe an option yeah. to turn something on, you know, for the babies, like the noobs like me, just to kind of yeah. like at least get a feel. And then I could like yeah. turn it off. Like think of like the Arkham games. I love the little OK, yeah. I got a counter now. He's got the little marker on his head. But when you play on extreme or hard mode, it takes those off and you got to like start knowing the animation. So but overall, yeah, I was that, that that's a new thing. And that was and mind you. Fun. Yes. And mind you, Brett fought me mfr in the game i put my yes. face in the game i mapped it to the guy's head he's got this exact hairstyle i've got tonight uh yeah he fought me and i told brit now you need to send me a good picture of your face i'm gonna make you and we're gonna make a tag team called the fanboys yes. and we're gonna run wild over that tag team division damn it we're gonna take but we're gonna uh, take everyone out <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much about as much gaming as I've done in the last 72 hours. Yeah. And I haven't watched a damn thing since we last spoke. But what I've been I have been consuming a lot of other media. I've been binging essentially every single podcast appearance of my favorite stand-up comedian. You know him, Brett, because he's one of your favorites too. Mr. Louis C.K. has a big show coming up at the Garden on Saturday. And he's been uh, doing this circuit where he's been on like six or seven different podcasts over the last two weeks. And I've just been steamrolling through all those because I love listening to him talk and hearing his perspectives on things and how he puts together his comedy. And just, you know, I think he's a brilliant mind. And uh, I've been I feel like I've been hanging out with Louis C.K. for the last five days really because i've just been binging conversation after conversation he's been like everywhere if you haven't yeah, did you see um i so I, I watched one of these too but uh did you see the two bears one cave one with burt kreischer yes yes yeah yes. That, that was a very that was a very good episode we uh in the miro household here we watch a lot of podcasts oh <laughs> um, you so, watch yeah. your podcast You're like that's like yeah. one of the, like our things that's like really in the last like you know probably since like covid hit like we yeah. do a lot of YouTube and we watch like your mom's house. We watch Chris Delia's podcast. We watch a lot of podcasts. Oh, wow. um, and he was on uh, that too, your mom's house. So he was on two different yes. Segura pods, even though yes. Segura wasn't on the two bears one this time, but yeah. he appeared on two different Segura pods. He was on the Joe Rogan experience. He yeah. was on the Tom Dillon show. He did he stuff earlier Robert in the year Kelly's. because of the Joe list movie, the movie he did with Joe list. Um, yeah. Fourth for, July. Promoting both. Fourth so he July, did a big run there. Which yeah. was very good. I don't and know. He's if you kept saw it, it up. It was really good. Yeah. No, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But I bought yeah. my ticket for the live stream of his MSG show this weekend, and I'm gonna definitely buy the special when it comes out in April. And yeah. I just, it's great to see him back in action and hear him out there doing his thing. I think he's just, you know, his sense of humor. It just, it's, it's me. It hits the and spot. It's, yeah. it's you. It we we laugh about some of this stuff, and it's like. He makes you laugh at stuff that you can't believe you're laughing at, but it's, yeah. you know, he just does it in that way. He tiptoes through that minefield. He tap dances through it. Somehow. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's really like the only thing I've been really consuming. Has it been movies? Has it been TV? Barely any gaming aside from beating the crap out of you last night. Uh, it's just been Louis CK podcast appearances. So really not much to report in the playing and watching department. So why don't we go ahead and get right into our Superman on film update for the week. Unfortunately, there hasn't been much of anything over the last three days. Uh, there hasn't been any new updates. There hasn't been James Gunn having to step in and clarify any weird bogus rumors. There haven't been any new rumors even. It's, by, by the way, we should talk about that. I feel like, you know, little by little, the rumor mill is going to be dying when it comes to the DCU because James Gunn is... You know, basically, he's under he has such control over the narrative nowadays yeah. that no one can just come up with random stuff they heard in a DM. Yeah, he stamps somewhere. it out right away. He's just like, yeah, shut yeah. up, no, no, wrong, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like the, uh, the 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 variety of of outlandish bullshit that's going to be flying around the internet is is getting chopped down to almost nil. Yeah. And uh, I'm 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 in favor of that. I am yeah, great, all great for that. Absolutely. So when it comes to Superman on film, there's really nothing uh, specifically to update there, but we can talk generally about what seems to be going on with James Gunn's DCU. Because you see, the other night on some other uh, social media 
outlet, not Twitter, might have been that Mastodon thing or might have been Instagram. I have no idea where he did it. Somebody asked if he was going to be revealing the full eight to 10 year plan, because he did mention that there's like basically like a 10 year plan of telling the biggest story ever told. And uh, Gunn uh, stepped in to basically clarify how much he's actually going to be revealing. Uh, in a response to this person, he said, I'm not announcing the eight to 10 year slate, just a few projects from the first chapter. And the only really thing notable there is your people are seem to be getting a kick out of this idea of the first chapter. You know, the fact that like he really is looking at this like it's going to be one long, big, cohesive story. And these first few films are meant to be the first chapter of that story. You know, it's well, cool you see, sort of... oh, you see, you know, story stories have chapters. Yes. Yes. Do you, they do. Do you see the connection? Do you see it? I see it. I see it. I see it. Although I like that. I, I just, I like the going the, with the literary verbiage instead yes. of like phase one or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, like I like chapter one and it might, it'll be interesting too, if it really feels that way. Like if, as we start seeing these movies and seeing how the story unfolds, if it really all feels like this stuff is part of a coherent first chapter and a much larger saga, that's going to be pretty neat. You know, I also it, feel like he wants to avoid the the phase one. You know, the wording phase. Well, this is just phase yeah. one or phase two. So yeah, it's yeah. chapter one, it's chapter two. We got a we got a different thing going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yes. So just so you all know, so, since that user on that social media platform uh, seemed to be unclear about exactly how much he's going to be announcing. Remember, we already assumed it's only going to be about three or four movies. That's why we were yeah. kind of keeping our guesses last week or on the last episode uh, to about three films or four films. So I think that's about as much as we can realistically expect. And uh, I'm totally fine with that. Let us know little by little. Let the story come to us in waves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that when it comes to the DCU, but another property that involves Superman that's been getting spoken of a lot in these last few weeks is of course still to this day in 2023, the Snyderverse, because right now it seems that the, uh, the fan base there ever since James Gunn made the decision to ax Henry Cavill and essentially ice any further continuations of DCEU versions of these characters. And he's seemingly transitioning Jason Momoa into a new role other than Aquaman or something along those lines. And we also know he is he pushed Wonder Woman 3 into some kind of redevelopment. So ever since it's become clear that James Gunn doesn't really have any intention of continuing on with the previous continuities, uh, there's been a push to license the Snyderverse itself to Netflix. Because we know Netflix sometimes rescues canceled series, right? They have done that before. Some series gets axed and Netflix says, ah, we'll take it for a couple of seasons, you know. And some people are hoping that Netflix does something along those lines with the Snyderverse. And uh, I'm sorry. I Sometimes it's hard for me not to like completely shit on and scoff 
uh, at that idea when I'm on Twitter. It, it's hard for me to bite my lip because it honestly is sort of ludicrous. And I know Mark Hughes, we talk, he's called me, we've texted. Mark Hughes is a good dude. But over on Forbes, he wrote some editorial kind of making it sound like it would be an interesting play and a worthwhile thing to pursue and yada, yada, yada. Since, you know, Zack Snyder is working over at Netflix, he's got a good relationship with them. He's making apparently multiple Rebel Moon movies. And uh, since he is cozy and set up over there, they're like, why don't you bring him his Snyderverse continuity and let him finish it there? And, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League apparently had some decent streaming success on uh, HBO Max and in an international uh, sort of metrics. Apparently it did pretty well in 2021 when it came out. But um, here's the problem with that. OK, realistically speaking, what this would entail is licensing away the justice league okay this isn't like like when you know, somebody kept saying well they have sandman at netflix and sandman was a big hit uh, you know people have pointed out that there's other dc properties on other networks and yada 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 yeah. yes but the sandman is not justice league yeah. the sandman is not superman batman wonder woman aquaman the flash cyborg like green lantern you know we know all the different ideas that Zack snyder would have if he were to get to make his justice league 2 and his justice league 3 and the issue there becomes if you if you're david zaslav and you've just hired james gunn and peter safran to launch a brand new studio called D dc studios with the entire purpose being that we're going to streamline all of dc on film so that there aren't four batmen as david zaslev der derisively pointed out once uh if the point is to now bring everything in-house and have one sort of singular guiding hand over everything how the hell are you going to license away your most pivotal characters to another streamer so that another director can make movies about them for the next few years at the same time that you're trying to launch a whole new thing with a lot of the same characters involved. Where's the logic? How does this actually make any real sense? Brett, does it? <laughs> no, like I, I love this because it's like, like like you said, they're trying to like set a new you know way forward, a new path, a new establishment yes. of all the DC you know universe, and then it's like then they're they're just going to allow like bootleg Justice League to appear on Netflix. Like it, it really it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, like it, it would be confusing. Number one. I mean, listen, and I know there's stuff now that's going to be confusing, right? We're going to probably have a Batman and James Gunn verse. We have Pattinson. That's just like now doing that is another another confusing element. Then, like you said, like I didn't even think about that, like licensing away the Justice League, unless there was a way for them to just like license that iteration of the Justice League so they could still use it for the gun. But it just it makes no sense. And even if they licensed away, I mean, I guess if they license away, they don't really have to invest and put up the money. I guess at that point it would be all Netflix. But the thing, too, is, like, there's so many moving parts. Like, even if DC said, sure, license the Snyderverse and Netflix. And Netflix says, okay, we'll do it. Here's a bunch of money. Like, and Zack Snyder's like, I'm on board. Like, you still have to get all the actors and, like, people that were – you would assume you'd want to bring people from the original production that, like, know the, the look and the feel and the tone of, like, what Snyder does and, like, those movies that worked on him. So it's like – there's just so many moving parts that like I see no one who's clamoring for this, like acknowledging. They're just thinking like, oh, if DC just did it, it would happen. And it's like, <laughs> what planet are you on? But And what? why would they do it? 
What's the incentive? Yeah, why? For what? If just, you're just to Gunn, please you, you please your entitled yeah. ass. Like, like, where, like, where's even? There's not even any money in it, really. Like, okay, they'll get a big lump sum payment from Netflix for the rights, and then there's no, there's nothing else, and like. And then what, and at like, the cost of what? At what cost would that lump sum become? Because now let's say James Gunn's reboot of Superman is about to come out and he's trying to get all eyeballs on that because this is you know the first step in this 10-year giant story he wants yeah. to tell. And at the same time, Justice League 2 is coming out at the same time. And here you have Henry Cavill dicking around in a black suit, you know, c- causing <laughs> distractions for that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And especially because James Gunn has pointed out, too, that, like, everything is under his purview. Some people yeah. kind of thought that since the Joker 2 and other things were kind of set up at Elseworlds, he actually said in some response to someone early on that actually, no, everything will be falling under the DC Studios banner. Everything is going to be under him. Even the stuff that predates him, he's overseeing and he's, you know, he's he's an authority over all of it yeah, so like they're building a brand here this is a i yeah. mean it, it is a brand already but like they're establishing a brand and a new a new platform you know for this to move forward it's like why do you like again like we would just been talking for years about like how they've been muddying the waters with announcements and this and then like and, and the point too, too is like honestly i would i would actually root for this idea if i knew that if these people these 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 snyder fans got these movies and it would guarantee that they would just shut up after then i would say go ahead netflix do it you know what take my 401k i'll put that towards it. <laughs> you know what i mean like if like i just don't know that these people will ever shut up even if they get what they want you know what i mean I and think, it's like yeah. I don't I think it's going to take another year or two before they realize that Netflix is not buying the Snyderverse and for some of these new films to be announced and perhaps start to come out yeah. to put firmly put the Snyderverse in the rearview mirror because that's the thing as of right now we still have holdovers we still have relics of it with Jason Momoa's Aquaman. We still we don't know what's going on with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, but James Gunn has kind of said she's sticking around at least for the time being. And we've all we were we're about to see Ezra Miller's The Flash in about five months' time still on the screen, and presumably a reference or two to things that that you know he's been involved in that include the Snyderverse. So right now we've still got some holdovers, so you can kind of see them still keeping the spark of hope alive somehow. But once we get through this and now we move firmly into the new wave of stories, I think that's when we're finally going to be able to turn the page on all this Snyderverse stuff. But, you know, I just, I, I, it's a oddly, honestly, it's a sort of ludicrous idea. If you think Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Studios is like, yeah, take all of our most important characters and go take them down a road that we already know has been divisively received. So yeah. it's, it's not even like we know that, oh, man, Batman versus Superman did so well. So that's going to be great. Oh, Ju- Justice League was a was a, just a hands down winner. Like, no, we, you know, e- even with Zack Snyder's Justice League, like, yes, it's streamed on HBO Max. And I loved it. You can go back to the episode where I saw it. I think it's Zack's opus. I think it's very good stuff. But by the mainstream standards, Zack Snyder's vision is not the thing that's, you know, 
taking these characters and these property to prosperity. The, clearly, if that was working, he would still be in control in some way. Someone would have right. brought him back to complete his vision on the big screen if the dollars and cents all worked out and the math was right. But that has not happened. So you're going to license away all of your most important characters and the Justice League itself at a time when you're trying to rebuild and start a whole new thing. It just... Yeah. It doesn't make sense. There's no way they're going to go for it. And this is different than other stuff. This is different than restore the Snyderverse. This is different than release the Snyder cut. Because at least those things, those hashtags, those campaigns, there was some reasonable expectation that it could happen because Warner Brothers, it would all be handled in-house. And Warner Brothers had all that footage in its archives. And they could just decide, all right, which they did. They could just decide, yeah. all right, Zach, come back, refinish re-editing it and put it on our Warner Media streamer known as HBO Max. Like that at least had somewhat of a snowball's chance in hell of happening. And it did. But the idea of them handing over over control of that IP to somebody else to make competing Superman and Batman stories while we're, DC Studios is, is doing what they're doing. It does. There's no business sense. There's no logic behind it. It's not going to happen. You can quote me on that. Yeah. I mean, so, one thing too, I want to like add in, like, you know, we're saying that like, okay, the Snyder, you know, we still have these like quote unquote Snyderverse holdovers, like these movies that haven't come out mm -hmm. yet. But like, I want to point out though, that like, yes, I guess some of the basis or like the look or like the tone of these characters, I guess sprung from Zack Snyder, like the initial yeah. versions. And we, we saw versions of them in movies that he actually directed. But like, I also want to point out that like Aquaman one, and this new one coming out, these are James Wan films. They're not Zack Snyder yeah. films. They, and yeah, maybe he like visually resembles the way like they established the character, but like he does feel different than he felt in the Snyder movies. Wonder Definitely. Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman is a hundred. I mean, after Wonder Woman one, I mean Wonder Woman eighty four total one eighty, and I'm I'm a defender of and all that Wonder was kind of a yeah. Uh, you're yeah, the one, but, but yeah, I'm the one. But very, but also like very different, like. And The Flash even coming out. This is an Andy Muschietti job. You know what I mean? Andy Muschietti is a respectable yep. filmmaker. He made these great It movies. He's doing stuff. So, like, to also, like, say, like, oh, these Snyder movies. Snyder's not involved with these anymore. He didn't make them. He didn't do anything. He was a part of an initial, you know, introduction of those characters and maybe kind of laid, like, a little bit of a blueprint. But, like, they really started to, like, take on a life of their own and be influenced by, like, the, the people that are running those franchises now. So, like, I just want to – his name just needs to get out of there. It's like these are not even Snyder Project. They're not holdovers oh, – they're not holdovers from the Snyderverse. Okay, yes, they have, like – I guess they're linked canon-wise to stuff that happened in Snyder's movies. But, like, they really are, like, their own thing, you know, at this point. Uh, and, you know – and, and yeah, they're a little, I guess, out of the, 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 the new box that is being built by James Gunn. They're kind of like that, like, weird middle ground. But they're, they're not Snyderverse films. Not to it's mention all them Snyder films, they're not, <laughs> but not to mention too, like Dark Side, Dark Side's invasion of Earth. That's a pretty big storyline to just blow on a streamer somewhere. You may think, you know, it, it James yeah. Gunn may want to go to Dark Side at some point. You know what I mean? Like th th that's a that's a possibility you want to leave open for the DCU. You don't want to blow your load doing the dark side invasion and the new gods and that kind of stuff. 
on, yeah. on Netflix. You know what I mean? And you're gonna blow it no. there. And now if we try if they try to do it again on the in the DCU, now it's like, oh, we've already kind of been here, done that. Yeah. You know, like there's just there, there there's uh there's it's there's no reasonable expectation that anyone would agree to something like this. It no. doesn't make a lick of sense. So no. There will be no Snyderverse to Netflix. I'm sorry, yeah. everybody. And by the way, you know, there, there was a move that was announced earlier on Wednesday that kind of makes it clear, too, that like they're trying to focus the IP. They're trying to cut out extra things that don't fit within DC Studios plans. We already know that the Arrowverse is essentially getting wrapped up and concluded, uh, you know, in the uh, next big crossover event, I think, with like the Flash. Everything is closing down. Stargirl's ending. Everything's ending. And on Wednesday, they announced that even the HBO Max DC series are now about to, they're done. They're going to do season four for both Titans and Doom Patrol, but those will be the ends of those series. If you think this is just a coincidence, you're missing the bigger picture. Okay. Ever since Gunn and Safran came in, ever since David Zaslav and Discovery merged with Warner Brothers, creating Warner Brothers Discovery, they've been systematically cutting out all of these little pocket DC universes that were creeping up all over the place that Walter Hamada was all for. Remember, Walter Hamada was happy to have all these pocket universes and just lean into the whole multiverse thing and let HBO do what it wants and let CW do what it wants and let the movies be all over the map. And that's what it is. That's not what David Zaslav wants. That is not what James Gunn and Peter Safran told him would be a good idea for the DC IP. So little by little, anything that doesn't fall directly under James Gunn's purview is getting the axe. It's getting snipped. So Titans and Doom Patrol are the latest DC projects going the way of the Dodo. Uh, did you ever get to watch any of those? Did you have opinions about either? I don't remember. Nah, no, Titans, I never watched. And like, honestly, I, I never, I haven't really heard that many good things about that show, but I mean, I'm surprised it even went to a season four. Um, although yeah. Doom Patrol, I've heard that People really love that series and it's really fun. And I haven't checked that out. Yeah. But um, that one uh, apparently, that one seems a little more heartbreaking to the fan base because I think it's yeah. part of like a really niche uh, kind of. Well, that's one. Yeah. That's one I could vouch for. That's one I could vouch for. So when it comes to these two series, Titans, I only ever watched the first episode just to kind of see what it was about. And it really didn't do anything for me. It seemed like it was trying to be edgy. Everything felt very sort of fuck that man. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just it, it didn't grab me. And listen, sometimes shows find their groove after the first episode and whatever. I don't know. Maybe maybe it deserves another shot. If any of our listeners or viewers out there think that I have not given Titans a fair shake, let me know. Because at least, see, I would actually watch it because it didn't just get outright canceled and it doesn't have a conclusion. It's going to get a final season, but that'll be the final season. You know, so they're going to yeah. conclude that story. Uh, when it comes to Doom Patrol, listen, I didn't go as far into it as I would like, but I remember watching, like, I think I got through the first, like, five episodes, and I was pretty blown away by it. I loved the originality of it. I think it has a very unique voice. I think it's a very sort of, like, it's just a totally unique animal. I think you definitely would should check it out. It's quirky. It's strange. Yeah. It's offbeat. It's got Brendan Fraser 
pre his uh, you know full comeback renaissance here with the whale, Doom Patrol is really kind of what brought him sort of back into the zeitgeist a little bit, and he's pretty yeah. great in it for what he does. And uh, Matt Bomer's in there, and it's great to see him involved in a DC sure. project after he flirted with being Superman there for a little while. And uh, just overall, great casting, interesting story. It's like nothing you've really seen before. It's like a wacky X-Men sort of concept, but right. uh, it works. It works. And I heard it just continued to get better and better. Yeah, so I've like really only show, heard good things. It's like yeah. I really have not heard any negative feedback from the show. So. Yeah. But Titans, so I feel news, like I've heard a lot of negative stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm tempted to try and like catch up with Doom Patrol. So when it gets that final season, maybe we can go episode by episode on a weekly basis and just give it, you know, give some thoughts yeah. on the episodes as they go. Because that one, I think, was definitely worth it. Um, yeah. You know, yes, ladies maybe, and maybe Netflix could uh, pick up the series, you know? <laughs> yeah, apparently, you know, let, let, let's license them out. It makes sense. Yeah, license them out to Netflix. Because yeah. somebody other than Warner Brothers Discovery. Yes. Why didn't I yeah. think of that? Like um, I want to oh, actually sorry one more thing I want to go back to that really quick because like even fucking Marvel took away their shows from Netflix. It's true. Marvel had hit shows on Netflix, and even they were like, "I ain't doing this shit anymore. We're doing everything in house." So like, yeah, and, think and about somebody it. tried to use that as a as a justification, like, "Well, Marvel let Daredevil and all that stuff go on Netflix." Like, first of all, you're excluding what's happened since then, yeah. but also like at that time. There was some sort of plan, you know, Jeff Loeb was running Marvel TV and Kevin Feige was doing Marvel, you know, the, the big stuff, but there was some, you know, some semblance of synergy there and they were kind of on the same page until they weren't. But, uh, right. but yeah, it, it doesn't, it does, the comparison is not yeah. apt. This is not also, that situation. if you remember, if you remember back in the, you know, nineties and early two thousands, uh, you know, Marvel licensed away all their fucking characters to all these different studios and production houses and then had to battle their way back and yep. acquire and acquire and acquire and get bought by Disney in order to and bring actually, everything back under their house. Yeah. So like, think about that. Do you want that? Do you want DC to now lose it? And then we just have a bunch of morons buying rights and making shows without like a, a big brain, you know, overseeing great, everything like James. Point. Yeah. That's a great point because you know, DC has always had the luxury of being owned by one entity. Warner mm -hmm. Brothers has owned DC since like 1969. So technically they could have been doing some kind of shared universe from the beginning. They could have beat Marvel, you know, by 50 years if they wanted to really do that. But they've always had the the, the benefit of they don't have to see, oh, well, who has the rights to Green Lantern? Oh, who has the lights for the, the rights to Wonder Woman? Oh, who's working on a Catwoman movie? Awesome. We can't touch Catwoman. Like DC has never had to worry about that. And now at this time when they, you know, they're, they're ready to launch a, a sort of unified vision here under new leadership and under DC studios, in what sense would it make now to start licensing things away? You yeah. know, just like Marvel did as soon as Marvel got their act together and they were no longer in bankruptcy, like they were in the nineties. Remember we would have gotten a Spider-Man from the goat in the nineties. Because James Cameron wanted to make a Spider-Man movie with Leonardo DiCaprio as Peter Parker. 
He was going to have the organic webbing that Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire ended up stealing. And the only thing stopping James, by the way, can after I ran down his resume last week and how the guy does not miss, can you imagine James Cameron unleashing his full imagination and potential onto the Spider-Man IP, especially at that time, you know, yeah. like, and the fact that he wanted to do it, it was like a passion project. It wasn't like somebody said, hey, Jim, could you would you think you'd want to make a Spider-Man movie? Like, no, he wrote a whole treatment. He presented it. He wanted to do it. But Marvel just couldn't afford to make it happen. Marvel was in such disarray that they couldn't let James Cameron make a Spider-Man movie. Okay, but 10 years later, as soon as they had their ducks in a row, as soon as the money was okay, as soon as they were able to launch Marvel Studios, they started bringing everybody home as much as possible. You know, so why would DC, who has everyone in house, start shipping them off to non Warner Brothers companies right now? Makes sense. Come on. It doesn't make sense. But either way, rest in peace, Titans. Rest in peace, Doom Patrol. Uh, you know, stay tuned for those final seasons and uh, some analysis here on this show about them. Uh, and one show that hasn't been canceled yet, and I'm surprised by this, honestly, with no. all of the Arrowverse basically getting folded, our favorite is sticking around. Because it's not a part of the Arrowverse. I know, but 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 it's still interesting though that like yeah. they're willing to let this continue on. They they you know when they announce well, this hopefully season, maybe they don't want to announce the cancellation yet while the new season's about to launch. Maybe they're gonna like wait halfway through and be like, by the way, they have one more season after this. But I'm hoping. I don't know. Maybe I mean, they good. did it with Titans and Doom Patrol. They said this will be the fourth and final season. They could say, oh yeah, right. I feel like that's become the norm now. Like they just announced Cobra Kai last week is coming back for a sixth and final season. If anything, right. it gives it a little more immediacy you know what i mean it might right. help with the ratings when the fans know oh i better see this because it's going to be over yeah. soon you know so with superman and lois there has been no such announcement that season three is the end of the road for this phenomenal bit of su superman storytelling uh and on the contrary they just announced that they've got their lex luthor and it comes in the form of mr michael cudlitz now the way i know michael well, not personally, but I know Mr. <laughs> Cudlitz from The Walking Dead. And yes, even though that's a series, yeah, even though that's a series that I bailed on somewhere, I think, in like season eight or nine, I yeah, was there too. long enough. Yeah, I, but I was there long enough to see the fruition of his whole arc, you know, from when he's first introduced to then his ultimate demise. So I got yeah. to see his full run. Spoiler alert. But yeah, I, I got to see his full run on The Walking Dead. And I remember thinking even then, I'm just like, this guy is a very good actor. There's something, he had a lot of layers early on. I, I didn't know how to feel about him too because at first he comes on as sort of like an antagonist with these other yeah. weird Yahoo characters. And he's a little bit scary and intense. But then you start getting to know him and he's this big teddy bear. And he has, you know, just like, he's a real actor he's not just someone yeah. who looks the part you know there he had so, some uh, i have to say this kind of randomly but he had also not his fault there was there was some real bad writing for his character sometimes and uh, to yeah. this day i just want to point out he said one of maybe one of my favorite lines <laughs> i've ever heard oh. on a television show and i oh, still i still i still just surprise my wife and whisper it to her all the time <laughs> and can i tell you what the line is please do because Michael Cudlitz goes, mother dick. 
<laughs> he straight up you has a line that? on the Mother Walking dick. Dead, and he just he just goes, "Mother Dick," <laughs> and I was like, "Mother Dick." So you and, and Jesse have some interesting uh, pillow talk yeah. there. I didn't realize that. Okay. Just when I want to bother her, she's just like watching a show, and I just go, "Mother Dick," <laughs> and it's, well, it's always know, a great like, laugh. I feel like we all have those lines that just live rent free in our heads for a while. No, it's a so horrible like, line, but he owned it's a it. And he, line. he did it. He knew it was bad, and he did yeah. the right thing. And he was great. He owned it. But I will, he did it. I'll never forget it. I will never. You know forget what it. lives rent free in my head, and this is random, and it's it's unrelated, but just it's something that every <laughs> once in a while I whisper to people. Uh, <laughs> when I was seeing uh, the Chronicles of Riddick, okay, with Vin Diesel. Never That's even like, seen that. Like, I hate Vin Diesel. Well, I, it was a press screening, so in my defense, I didn't pay for it. Okay, I still would but <laughs> I I went with Jeremy Scully, your uh, your play it loudcast yeah. former uh, co co chair there. Jeremiah. But uh, I went to go see the Chronicles of Riddick with Jeremy at a press screening, and at a certain point, there's a thing where like. I guess he's been imprisoned for a long time and something happens where I don't even remember anymore. It was a terrible movie, <laughs> but I remember like now he's been released and he's in some palatial castle type deal. Cause they were going to send him on some kind of a mission. And before they debrief him, like, you know, he's been, you know, in prison for a while. So they go and he goes to like a, like they're bathing him and washing him and, you know, and, and, you know, preparing him. There's beautiful women around and this and that. And in that deep Vin Diesel voice, he's like, it's been a long time since I've smelled beautiful. <laughs> it's like, and he's trying to say like, cause he smells a pretty woman, but right. me and Jeremy just busted out laughing. No, that, that's, he just that's hears awful. This, yeah. <laughs> it's been shit. a long time since I've smelled beautiful. So sometimes that just pops into my head and I'll creep up on Kristen while she's cooking and I'll get up behind her and say that to her. That so, is way uh, creepier than Mother Day. <laughs> I don't know. Mother Dick to the mother of your child who's coming in two months. I don't well, know, man. Last time. <laughs> like five weeks. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, my God. On Mario yeah, it's Day. Like, but okay, it's, but let's get this show close. back on track. Anyway, Michael uh, Cullen. So this is awesome, man. First of all, yes. listen, we didn't know we were getting Lex Luthor next season, right? I don't think we no. had any. Yeah. So we know we're getting like, Intergang. And they cast yeah. another Walking Dead guy. Now that I make the connection, it's another Walking Dead guy. I forget his name now, but the guy who's playing the leader of Intergang, whatever his name is. Is Good it talk. uh find out who it is? I know who it is. I'm gonna look it up while you talk about why this is awesome. So this is awesome because not only did we like find out, oh shit, we're getting our Lex Luthor's coming into into the picture, but then like we immediately also got the casting, and the casting seems pretty cool, and I can't wait to see what he looks like, and I can't wait to see how he's gonna play the character and like how this iteration is gonna be on the show. And um also it's like a hundred percent Lex Luthor's gonna be working with Intergang, right? Like this is perfect. It's like totally perfect. Yeah. It's already set up, and like this is great, and it's it's what a nice buildup, man. This is season three now. And now we're getting to Lex. There's been a nice build-up. There's been some, a lot of other adventures. Um, and then we're going to have our new Jonathan this season as well. Um, that was a weird situation, huh? Um, so that'll be yeah. getting used to it. And then, uh, yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm, I love the show, man. I'm excited. I really hope we don't get a cancellation. I mean, this is this is a real bright spot. Hopefully James Gunn sees it and goes, yeah, no, this show's, this show's good. <laughs> yes. And the guy's name is Chad Coleman. Chad oh, Coleman. Right. Yes, he was. Dead. Tyrese on The Walking Dead. Yes. 
There you um, go. Yes. Who was like so we're a gonna... pretty cool character in the comics, from what I understand, because everyone was like really excited when he was coming to the show. But like the way they utilized him was like he was like not cool and he was like annoying. Yeah. Let's see I, if he's one good. of the things I like about Cudless, though, too, is like I remember he's kind of like a big imposing figure. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. He's a big imposing figure. And like, you know, we've seen a lot, you know, lots of versions of Lex and recently in the Arrowverse, right? You had John Cryer, who was like a small geeky guy. You yeah. had Jesse Eisenberg as like the tech geek version of Lex Luthor. Uh, Kevin Spacey wasn't particularly physically intimidating. And Gene Hackman, more or less. <laughs> Only two young men. For, for um, laughs. Yeah. yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, we haven't had like a large physically imposing Lex Luthor in a while. Honestly, the one that comes to mind for me is like in Superman, the animated series, the one voiced by Clancy Brown. Yeah, that's like that's the Lex Luthor that seems most likely to kick Superman's ass. Yeah, he's right broad now. shouldered, right? He's like yeah. barrel chested. And yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, A, I like that he he can he's he comes off as large and imposing. But also, I like that, you know, he also. He does innately look kind of like a kind, soft guy. And I kind of like that, though, because Lex Luthor should kind of have two sides. I like the, I've always liked the Lex that has the public face and then who he really is behind the scenes. You know, yeah. and I don't think they've really revealed yet what version of Lex Luthor this is, right? Because we've had all kinds of versions. There's been the mad scientist, there's the, the President Luthor. There's the insane, you know, the businessman one. There's been all kinds of ways to play him and yeah. what kind of a presence he has in Metropolis. But I'm wondering if they're going to have sort of like the dual identities of Lex Luthor in this. Or if he's Politician just going to be evil. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. I can picture Michael Cudlitz in a suit delivering a heartfelt, seemingly speech, you know, seemingly heartfelt speech to yeah. people. And then, you know, behind closed doors, working on being a tyrant get... yeah, <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so yeah. i like that this is they, they hired a guy with range who can be both scary and a big teddy bear at the same time so i feel like that's going to be interesting and also you know we're going to find out what his history is remember this is superman and lois they're already in their 40s they've already gone you know, right. superman has already existed and faced it faced it faced most of his rogues and all that kind of stuff at this point so if luthor is not in prison it's going to be interesting to see, well, then what is the dynamic and what is their history in this continuity? You know, yeah. so it's going to be fun, especially, you know, now after that, remember the big bait and switch at the beginning of the series where uh, after Master Chief takes off his helmet and you see it's a yeah. bald black guy, but the suits like, you know, Mr. Luther, something, something. And yeah. everyone's Luther. like, oh. Oh, that's him and then it ends up being john irons so you know after the, the the bait and switch at the start of season one we are in fact getting lex luthor in season three and i kind of have a feeling though too since they seem to cast him very recently and we know the show is coming out you know i think in a, we're about a month away or something like that. i think it's like oh no I think it's March 14th. So you're not going to get to see it because you're going to have a newborn. But uh, <laughs> maybe but, when I'm not sleeping, that, I can just do it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But yeah, so when that comes out, you know, so either way, so if they just cast him this week and they've been in full production on season three for several months now, it makes me feel like he's going to be more of a setup for season four. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like he's going to be someone who comes in at the tail end and the, maybe the final episodes or maybe even in just one key scene. You know what I mean? Cause it seems like they're bringing him on sort yeah. of late 
in the production for season three. Well, you know? Luthor, Luther, uh, Luther, Luthor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he, he's like Mr. a very, Luthor. yeah, Mr. Luthor. He's a opportunistic, um, you know, villain. And, uh, so yeah, I could see like, you know, obviously intergang being the main focus for the majority of the season. Um, yeah, maybe they have a mysterious benefactor. Yeah. yeah, either that or like maybe in the aftermath of whatever the resolution is between Superman and Intergang, there's some kind of material left behind or some kind of like vacuum of power that he could fill. And like he kind yeah. of seizes on some opening that happens as a result of the end of that Superman Intergang conflict. And then that totally propels him into season four. Or he even tries to come when in they announce the, the show and they finish yeah. it like Luther. <laughs> So yeah, it actually works or, perfect if you think about it. This is perfect. It's true. You end <laughs> on Luther in season four. I mean, that could. I, I hope it doesn't end. My no, hopes no. for HBO. My, I just telegraph what I'm going to say. My hopes for Superman and Lois is that it leaves the CW and becomes like a you know an HBO Max exclusive. You know, because uh, it already looks very cinematic and like a movie. It's always been treated like a step above the rest of the Arrowverse. Yeah. But I know that they put the episodes on HBO Max and they tend to do well there. So I feel like I would love it if they transition that series away from CW and have it go full time to HBO Max. And that way, too, like, you know, maybe that Superman can continue to exist in whatever sort of multiverse we're setting up here. I don't know. Right. You know, I hope they don't cancel it, though, because it really is the best Superman thing going for a very long time now. And I'm so excited we're getting season three. And uh, now we can move on to some other topics here. I see uh, I see you, you you're going to take us towards our old friend, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What's going on, Brett? Yeah, so I wanted that's something I talked about a while ago. Um, there yes. was a new Ninja Turtles series that had come out in the comics. Uh, IDW published it, um, and it's with the original um, like creator Kevin Eastman, um, and uh, a couple other names that I don't remember. I just, Eastman always sticks out. So he was like one of the original Ninja Turtle, Ninja Turtle creators, like for the comics that then got adapted to the very popular '90s show and so on and so forth. Um, so they did a, a, a series. Um, probably about within the last like two years, it probably took a while for each issue to come out, but it's called the last Ronin. And um, I'm going to give some like spoilers a little bit. So I guess if you don't want to get spoiled in that series, if you haven't checked it out, I mean, all the issues are out, you can get it. It's on digital on Amazon, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to spoil some stuff. So that series sure. takes place um, in a future, uh, you know, the future of the comics version of the Ninja Turtles. Um, and basically it is now a, uh, they live in a, in a New York, um, well, I should I'll just put it this way. All the turtles are dead except for one of them, and Splinter is dead. What? That's how the series opens up. It's in the future. Wow. It's okay. on uh, Hatton is completely walled in and basically run by the Foot Clan and Shredder's grandson. Um, and the whole series is uh you find out at the end of the first episode that the one remaining is Michelangelo. And uh, all of his brothers in Splinter died by uh, you know, uh the the wow. The side was Aroku Saki, um, by uh, you know, the grandson, um, which is Karai. So, if you remember the character Karai, it's her, her son, um, Strider's obviously grand, grandson. So, yeah, that's like the whole setup. It's kind of got this like Blade Runner ninja kind of like feel and look to it. It's very cool, and uh, you know, there's a lot of cool flashbacks, and you see actually how each of his brothers fell, and it's Michelangelo kind of just like dealing with legacy and getting revenge for the murder of his whole family and like putting this clan war 
you know, to the end. Like, and, and the series yeah. actually yeah, like, yeah, yeah. goes around from New York to Japan to Asia to Europe. It's like actually pretty, pretty crazy. Um, and it's like, you know, very adult, very kind of pretty violent and bloody, actually. It's kind of, kind of cool. The comics are like not soft like the kid shows. It's like really dope. <laughs> so, yeah, so a really, really cool series. But, um, you know, at the end of that, so again, spoil, I'm spoiling it, guys. So if you don't listen, okay, I'm spoiling it. Uh, Michelangelo uh, does, you know, they have a final confrontation and, uh, you know, he, 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 he wins. Uh, he kills Strider's grandson, but he also passes away. Oh, um, and, the, and the thing, but there's a little tease at the end of it. And April is still alive in this. She does, she's missing an arm, but she has like a prosthetic and she has a daughter, uh, the daughter of her and Casey Jones, um, who I think is named Casey. Um, also wow. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's Casey Jones is dead too. He also did not make it. So Shredder Clan wiped out. Very everybody. uplifting story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Logan. It's literally it's yeah, Logan. That's a hundred percent of it. I should have said it because I was going to yeah. say it's very it Logan is. that they killed off Just all the like men mysteriously. Yeah, it's Logan from the But at the end of the series, uh, you see. Uh, I th- again, I think it's Casey, April's daughter, and April, and they're in their lair and. Uh, you see that she has a tank, a little, a little like pet tank, and there's four baby turtles in it, and they leave wow. it off like that as a tease. So I just found this out today, right before we recorded. I haven't checked the issue out yet. I think it just came out today, so I'm gonna pick it up. But they announced another I I know series. I saw the headline. Yeah, they announced another series called TMT, TMNT: The Last Ronin, The Lost Years, and what it's actually gonna cover is the gap in time, almost like a prequel. Uh, up to the last Ronin. So what happened, like maybe some time with the other brothers and okay, what Michelangelo okay. did for years on his own, like on the journey. Cause also you get a, a, a kind of like an impression from the beginning of the comic that like, he's made a couple of attempts to like break into the city and kill him before, like, and not succeeded. And actually he does try in the beginning of the comic and does not succeed. And then like has to do a whole thing and gets back up it's like you know he has to break into like this and baxter stockman's around he has all this technology it's like yeah it's crazy it's like really cool a lot of cool characters come back and all that but also little tease is that not only is this a prequel this comic that's coming out the lost years but it's also a bit of a sequel and they released some stuff today and we do get a look at these four new turtles um a little bit older they're they're still very adolescent so they're um but yeah there's like two girls two guys they have different names we don't know what weapons yet they don't have masks yet but yeah they they basically like at the end of that series like april and they mutated four new turtles and they're gonna so there's they're kind of like planting like for a new ninja turtle series which is kind of cool so we will see what happens with that but i just wanted to shout out in case you were a fan of that series and weren't aware that this one was coming out now you know and if you haven't checked out the original um, I know I spoiled it if you listen, sorry, but like a lot of the reveals come pretty easy and like the, I left so much stuff. It's actually pretty dense. It's really cool. And um, I was always super impressed with how they handled Michelangelo, um, the trauma of losing his family, because he actually there's a lot of scenes where you see him talking to the ghosts of his brothers and hashing mm-hmm. out a lot of pain and stuff. And uh, there's a particularly cool scene where he's lashes out at Raphael for always being an asshole. And like you always wonder that like Michelangelo was harboring that for years, yeah. Yeah, and now yeah, he's like, he's an like old, the easygoing party, and he's guy. like an older man now, and he's like not the party dude anymore. He's bitter, he's sad, and uh, undergone a little bit further mutation. He's like a lot more yeah. bulkier and like you know stuff. So it's a really really cool series. So I, I'm sorry I treated everyone's right. ear off about that, but uh, I'm obviously very passionate about it. It's cool. Yeah, so that's that's really yes, exciting. You are. Um, now, but yeah, 
Something that everyone seems to be passionate about lately is that The Last of Us is getting it right in terms of adapting video games into the visual medium. Uh, it's it's apparently checking all the boxes and people are feeling like, wow, video game adaptations are finally good or finally about to get good thanks to The Last of Us. But I think you have a feeling about the impression that The Last of Us is the first good video game adaptation. Yeah, this there's obviously like um, you know, and this also goes like with the the creators and the press for The Last of Us. They've been saying, like, yeah, we're not gonna fall into the video game adaption curse, and they're bringing up this whole dialogue again. I want to remind people that like we've actually been having really good video game adaptions for like the last like three to four years. And I want to remind people, Detective Pikachu, if you hadn't seen it, actually was a really good movie. And you know, not while not necessarily actually that is yeah. an adaptation of a game. It is. They did release Detective Pikachu game, but you know, while it's not like a straight up Pokemon of the series adaption, it's very good. Uh we had two Sonic the Hedgehog movies that, you know, I think are just like okay and fine, but very successful at the box office, and for the most part, fans are very happy with them. A lot of, especially in the second one. If you didn't see the second one, a lot of great fan service. Um, we've also had the Castlevania animated TV series. I was yeah. Which, if you didn't say it, I was good. Which yeah. I want to tell you, um, if you haven't watched it, even if you don't know Castlevania, don't like it, it's like really good. Um, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> like it's it's awesome. Uh, so that's like another one. So we've actually been having quite a few really good video game adaptations. And you know, Last of Us is out now. It's on Prestige TV. It's on HBO. So they want to push the narrative again. Um, but you know, I just want to say like that narrative is like a little like it's tired at this point. It's like no, we've been having good ones now. And also, if 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 what I'm seeing of the Mario movie uh, is as good as the trailers have been, uh, that movie's going to be absolutely tremendous. Um, yeah. So. I, I'm a little I'm a little tired of the conversation because like we've had them. Also, I just want to point out too, and no disrespect to The Last of Us. Hey, I'm on a weekly review show about it. I love the show and I love the game. But to be fair, the game is basically a movie. The game is like yeah. so there there's literally like I think if you go on YouTube, you could just watch all the cutscenes, like people splice them together. That that game maybe takes 15 to 20 hours to beat. There's like six, five to six hours of cutscenes. I'm not even joking. Wow. Like, so it's wow. already and it's the way it's structured. It's almost structured episodically in the actual game itself. It's it's a movie that you happen to move the character through. So that's really what it is. Um, so it, I, I mean, not again, not to like you know uh, poo poo the show because again, I, I'm loving it. It's incredible. But like they had a pretty easy, I think, transition from that. And and you well, know they but definitely you know made some tweaks that work. But it really was it was already primed for that. You know. But so. that's the thing. Like you could argue that a lot of games already they already lay out a nice blueprint for what a film adaptation or a tv series yeah. adaptation should be and yet hollywood has always found a way to screw it up up until these last few years you right. know it, it seems like the big difference now is there's an emphasis being put on faithfulness you know there's an yeah. emphasis being put on don't if it ain't broke don't fix it the things that worked about this as a video game are the same things that'll make it work on in the other medium yeah and it, it and it honestly sort of reminds me of like the trajectory that comic book movies have gone in over the years too because if you like especially if you look at like some of the earlier pre-marvel studios marvel stuff 
you could see almost like a self-consciousness about trying to be like the books. You know, if, if you look at like the black leather suits from Brian Singer's X-Men movies and stuff like that, like he never embraced the costumes and the storylines right. were always very like very loosely adapted from stuff in the comics. But, you know, like Days of Future Past, you know, it was a great reference to a beloved arc, but it didn't, you know, it, it wasn't really an adaptation of Days of Future Past. Right. And they tried multiple like times, yeah, with not... the Phoenix. Yeah. Well, they and did that twice. Like with the... <laughs> and it wasn't. And even with, it. like, the original Superman movies, like, aside from his suit and a lot of other stuff, like, you know... On the on the appearance wise, when you go to, after Superman two and you see Superman three is about some made up villain named Charles Webster and his wacky girlfriend and mean older sister and here's Richard Pryor. That's not from the comics. They had them at that point in time. They had like forty years worth of Superman stories they could mine from the books. But Hollywood always kind of had this weird thing. Ah, the comics are for kids. We're gonna adapt it our way. You know, we, we, there yeah. was like this weird self consciousness. So Superman three wasn't comic book based. Superman four with Nuclear Man wasn't comic book based. You know, and then just early on, like, it just seems like it took a while for Hollywood to figure out that the biggest successes are when you actually adapt the source material in a faithful and meaningful way. You yeah. know, and that's why you like Marvel Studios has shown that if you look at the costumes, if you look at the way that they've attempted to adapt the stories. I know Civil War, you know, they took what was a like huge megalomaniacal gigantic story and yeah. distilled it into something much simpler. But by and large, I feel like they've been much more willing to wear their comic book roots on their on their sleeves. Yeah. And they've rode that wave to great success. Right. And I feel like comic, you know, video game adaptations were it was like a similar thing. We're like, we're going to take a little bit of what works about this, but we're mainly going to adapt it into what we like. Like I always go back to like the Paul W.S. Anderson um, Resident, Resident Evil, Evil movie. movies yeah. with Mila Jovovich, where it's like you could have just adapted Resident Evil. Those survival horror games, those first few ones, they lent themselves perfectly to being a spooky survival horror zombie movie. And they yeah. turned it into some action vehicle for Mila Jovovich to run around and shoot yeah. things and do flips. You know, like, the, a lot. don't even get me started on the Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo that made me cry in theaters. Yeah. I literally cried, okay? So, like, <laughs> Hollywood had that same sort of mindset with video game adaptations for the longest time of, like, we're just gonna, yeah. we'll keep the character names, we'll keep an element or two from the original concept, but we're gonna, like, make it our own. We're gonna Hollywood it up. And if you look at these ones that everyone's raving about now, like Last of Us, like the Sonic movies, like the, the hype around this Mario movie that's coming, like Castlevania, the ones that are having the most success and creating the most buzz are the ones that are most faithful. So yeah. it seems like Hollywood has finally figured out with video games what they figured out with comic books, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I think it's also like choosing, choosing the correct medium for the project. Um, you know, yes. Resident Evil games, while, while not very long, a lot of them too, especially once you like play through them once, you could probably burn through them way quicker the second time around. But, you know, yeah. like Resident Evil movies, they said, okay, let's make them movies instead of 
doing something like a series. Like yep. when you do a movie, you just can't properly explore things. But like something like Sonic, which is not that story heavy. And I know there is lore and Sonic yeah. fans are probably like, there's so much deep lore for Sonic. There is actually. But like for that, <laughs> you can do a hour and a half, two hour movie and just get the essence of Sonic. Cause it's not like this cinematic story driven thing. It's just always oh, a blue hedgehog is fun. You know what I mean? Like you can get the yeah. essence, but like resident evil to try to, and listen, I know they did try to do a resident evil series, but they decided to do uh, some weird yeah. thing on Netflix and it didn't do well. Um, but you know, something at like the last of us, like they were originally were planning for the last 10 years. We're planning on doing like a last of us movie. That was the yeah. rumor. If they had to do that as a movie and cram that into two hours, even if they went three hours, like, no, it's not going to work, man. You don't have the time with the characters. Like, the reason that story works, especially in video games, when you're dealing with 15, 20, 30, 40 hour stories, um, sometimes longer, like, you, you need that. You can't just shrink that down. to It doesn't work. You know what I mean? So yeah. something like The Last of Us, it works. They're doing a series and they're giving it time to breathe. And in this case, it also happens that the creator you know uh, of the series of the game who also directed the game and everything is uh, basically one of the main guys working on the show in fact yeah. he actually directed the most recent episode he was the director on it neil Druckmann. oh wow so i didn't know that wow it's literally like there are some things that are shot for shot from what he shot in the game and it, that's really cool that's cool so that, that's kind of one of the things, you know, like, and a lot of these other adaptions don't usually have the creatives involved, you know, maybe they consult a little bit, they give a couple of, you know, do this, this and this, but they're not involved, like, he's on set, like, telling like the zombies, like, no, you have to move like this, like legit, there's behind the scenes photos where he's like, it's a move like this, you got to sound like this. And it's all, you yep. know, practical effects and acted and they're doing it the right way. So that's the thing is, is choosing the correct medium. Castlevania, I don't know if that would make an interesting movie, but Guess what? It made an awesome three-season anime. Well, I think you Pretty cracked awesome. a code on it, though. I, I think you, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you pointed out that like some games are story-heavy and some aren't. Yeah, and Mario's going to be a great movie. One, you know what yeah, I mean? Mario is going to be a great yeah, movie. Exactly. And those Yamato says, "I don't even care about heavy. story." He's straight up. He's like, "Story yeah. does not matter." He's like, "Come out and been like, story doesn't matter in Mario." That's why everything opens up the quick cut scene. Okay, she got kidnapped. Here's Bowser. Airships. Go get him. Like Bam. he doesn't care about that. Yeah. It's about the gameplay. But like you know, yeah. and but th that's great because then you, you can frame, uh, you know, this movie which is like a fish out of water story and coming from the real world and how they got into the Mushroom Kingdom. Like that's perfect. Like Absolutely. do all the fleshing out there. You don't need it for the Absolutely. game. Like I said, Sonic works as a movie, but Resident Evil with all this exposition and, and and stuff and last of us with all this exposition and backdrop and world building no it's not going to work in a two-hour movie same thing be, you could argue with uh, assassin's creed you know assassin's creed yeah. has this huge insane lore it should have been a tv series not a crappy michael Fassbender i think they movie. are working on a tv okay. series now well, believe good. it or not so that will probably yeah. be good uh, we have a Splinter Cell experience too. in development. Yeah, should be hopefully. But, but good. that's the thing though too, because like <laughs> I remember, I remember flying to London and being at Pinewood Studios and interviewing with Michael Fassbender and the producers of Assassin's Creed. And at the time, like they were going for faithfulness. And if you, if you, did you see it? I did. Did you see the movie? Yeah. So like the movie attempted to actually really kind of adapt and mine some of the real mythology from the games. And, and they had Ubisoft like uh, people on set there to like right. tweak the script. And they were like, you know, Ubisoft was very hands on. And they were saying too, like anything, anytime that they tried to take a departure from something, some Ubisoft guy would just drop from the ceiling. Like, no, you can't do that. That's not, yeah. uh, that's not, but again, that's not faithful to the world we've built. Story. 
into yeah, you can't condense that into a two-hour movie. You can't. It would have so been that... better off as a prestige series on you know yeah. on a, on a good and I network. think we're now going to probably get that. And then listen, we have God of War coming from Amazon, but again, they're going to be adapting the 2018 reboot, and just like The Last of Us, it's really well written already. Yeah. And it's, a series? it's cinematic. It's going to be a TV yeah. series. Okay. So they're yeah. going to have the time to stretch it out. And the story's already there. I mean, like I said, The Last of Us too. like, if you're watching it, I mean, there are literally like the, some of the dialogue is legit line for line. Yeah. Because guess wow. what? That scene was already frigging good. <laughs> we don't need to yeah. change it. You know, so like there's stuff. We're getting a Horizon uh, TV series, like Horizon Zero Dawn, like that. So Sony's going big into this now. But again, TV series, because Hey, we TV know series. we're not going to do this just in two hours. But guess what? If they decide, hey, we're going to do um like a little big planet movie. Oh yeah, that'll work perfect. A two hour movie, be a movie. exactly. Fat boy and a little exactly. shit. Yeah. Perfect. You know what I mean? Um, so and it's you just know, it, it's you, a great medium for it. You know who was ahead of the curve on all this? I remember us having conversations and having questions sent in by our friend from Sweden, Mr. Isaac Wolf, yes. way back when we were doing the Revengers podcast. I remember something like four years ago, Isaac saying that, honestly, TV, the TV medium is better for video games than yeah. movies. And the these are long-form stories. Yeah. Failing is because they try keep trying to cram 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag, and it doesn't work. Yeah. But in a series where you could do a slow burn and build up and really have the story unfold the way it does in the games and take your time with it, let it breathe, he, he always said that he thought TV was going to be the thing that brought us the golden era of video game adaptations. And wouldn't you know it, Isaac, you were right. So uh, I just I needed to kind of shout that out there. I actually played uh, I went I played a uh, Mario Party uh, Mario Party yeah. Two for N sixty four because it's on Nintendo Switch Online. We played yeah. uh, Monday evening together actually, and we were nice. talking a little bit about Nintendo franchises that um you know if the Mario Brothers movie goes well, it, it seems like Nintendo's probably poised to bring more franchises. And we were we were literally having this conversation. We're like Mario's perfect as a movie. We're like if they do Metroid. I think that could be live action and, and that shouldn't be animated. And that would actually Metroid is not super. It's got a lot of lore, but it's not story heavy. It's more about the atmosphere. So I think you could do could a two like hour a six movie episode of, limited series. Maybe I maybe? think she could. I think Metroid could fit in the movie just because I think you could do a two hour okay. little action. Okay. I got a distress signal. I got to go there. got to destroy this stuff and get out of there and escape before the yeah. planet explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that'll work. But Zelda, I don't want to see CG. I think I'd no. rather see hand-drawn animation, and I think you need a series for that. I don't think that works in a movie. So, what about um, live action? You want you want animated for Zelda? I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see live action. Like like like, imagine something with the. It's just gonna look like Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't know, or Game of Thrones. Well, that's like, what it's just say, like if something that was like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, but given that level of of detail, but in the world of the Legend of Zelda, I don't know yeah. that that is still. I think Zelda is such a quirky dream. game and has a lot of quirky, fun characters, and uh, you know, always has this like dreamy, beautiful art, like painterly art style. And I feel like do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't just make it like live action real, you know, and, and, and then just try to like ground it. Like, no, like, I, that's part of the fun with Zelda. I love when you like talk to some weirdo and they're like, make a stupid noise. And like, that's the fun I can't part. find my cuckoos. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like idiots like that. Like that works in animation. But if some guy's saying I can't find my cuckoos, I, I, like in front of like a real <laughs> cobblestone wall in a castle, <laughs> you're going to like, you're a moron. Get well, out of here. You've done it so, like that. It's, but it's again, it's just a terrible you gotta, idea. Yeah. Find the right 
the right medium for the project. And yeah. uh, listen, the these series, the series that are successful have done that. So like yes. at this point, like I don't want to hear anymore. Video game adaptations are finally getting good. We've had a bunch of good ones, and now they have a bunch of great examples to follow off of. So like, stop yeah. fucking up. Let's <laughs> all right. Like, and it makes you wonder now though. Like, are the floodgates about to open? Because remember, once Hollywood finally cracked the code oh. on making comic book movies yeah. a success, yeah, and even yeah, you know, and 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 Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy helped you know bring the comic book genre into the mainstream and make it prestigious. And Steven Spielberg recently said the Dark Knight should have been nominated for Best Picture. Like, ever since Hollywood figured out that you could do these movies and or you know, these properties and do them well and do them big and they'll be accepted and loved and financially successful they've never turned back every movie that comes out every month or two is related to some kind of freaking comic book right yeah. so it makes you wonder now that like with all of this buzz is are the floodgates about to open oh yeah how many projects that i just is- named yeah yeah <laughs> god of war horizon oh i'm sorry we had uncharted already last of us is out now there's a gran turismo movie off of the car racing game which that then you realize this just means that this just means that we manifested pop culture for ourselves it's the things that we grew up loving are all that bioshock movie bioshock's gonna happen now too so like yeah dude like no the floodgates are open and it's only it's only gonna be more and I said, Assassin's Creed TV series in development. Um, yeah, man. Like, I just named, I don't know, like 10 projects right there. And there's probably yeah. a million other ones we haven't even heard about yet. So, like, But yeah, I just I, I just laugh at the fact that, again, though, like, yeah. pop culture has bent itself to our will. People That's like right. us. People, That's right. like, you know, our favorite things growing up were superheroes and video games. Yeah, and dude, now the nerds. We're on top yeah, of the world right now. We're on top of the world. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah, I feel like, you know, again, Hollywood used to have like a snobby attitude about it. Like, yeah, we'll adapt your thing, but we're going to make it cooler. We're, you know, we know better than the yeah. comic book creators. We know better than the video game developers. And now they're like, no, no, we're going to make it exactly the way you like it. Don't worry. It's going to be a fever yeah. dream of what you love. You yep. know, I love that. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, Nintendo Switch Online with Isaac Wolf. I feel like that is a pretty interesting segue into something that's coming to the Nintendo Switch Online. We got yes. GoldenEye coming, and it's also coming to Xbox, but I don't give a shit about that because I don't own an Xbox. But yeah. uh, yes, GoldenEye with online multiplayer is on so yeah. So let's let's go through the details fun. though. Because it's yes, a little, yes, it's a little yes. fishy. So we did get an announcement last year. This has been rumored for so long, for years and years. But it, I don't know. They did some wizardry, and they finally got the licensing under control. And we are getting a re-release. Not a remake, not a remaster. The original GoldenEye N64 coming to Nintendo Switch Online and Xbox Game Pass. So kind of interesting, though, how this worked out. And I don't know how Nintendo finagled this. So I'm going to start with Xbox first. So on Xbox Game Pass, um, so if you have Game Pass, it's included. You'll be able to play it. They did up-res it, put it in widescreen, um, and there is four-player local split-screen, but there is not online on the Xbox Game Pass version. Oh, that's right. There is yeah. four-player local, a little bit of an upgrade, and also, if you own Rare Replay, which came out several years ago and had a bunch of games from Rare, um, they will be adding this for free, so if you don't have Game Pass but have Rare Replay, you will also get this copy. Now, with Nintendo Switch Online, we are getting GoldenEye 007. I don't think they quite enhanced it as much as they did for Xbox. And listen, Xbox yeah. is not super enhanced. It's still blocky N64 polygons, but looks a little sharper. 
Um, and like I said, they, they might do so. The, the, the Nintendo version is going to have widescreen support, so that's cool. So it will fill your whole screen, not letterbox 4.3. Um, but the, I don't, again, I don't know how Nintendo managed this, but Nintendo Switch Online will have online four screen multi, uh, you know, split screen. It's going to crash. That whole system is going to oh. crash on January 27th. <laughs> well, here's the thing also Nintendo's online is, is not great either. I think they've yeah. upgraded it. It's got better. And I have to say, I played Mario Party 2 again, like I just said, with Isaac in Sweden the other night. And actually, it went off pretty good. Maybe a yeah. little bit of lag, but nothing too bad. So maybe it got better. But yeah, that's the only way you could. If you want to play it online, you have to play it on the Nintendo Switch online version. But uh, hey, that's included. You if you have the expansion pack, you will get that added to your N64 uh, app on the Nintendo Switch. <coughs> oh, and we should say I buried the lead. And it's oh. coming out. They announced today that it's coming out this Friday. So the 27th, this Friday, you will be able to play these. Oh, wow. For some reason, I'm like, I'm still on some time lag. I feel like we just had New Year's Eve and January 27th is two weeks away. Yeah, dude. No, that's Fine. Friday, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, so that's this crazy. weekend, we can be playing GoldenEye in 64. <laughs> wow. Uh, by the way, I'm about to get Isaac in trouble. I'm going to, he confided in me once that uh, of all of our mutuals who occasionally meet up with him to play Smash Brothers, he says, I'm the only one who gives him any kind of a hard time. He still kicks my ass, I should say. Oh, yeah, but he destroys me. He's insane, but he but he said I'm the one who actually gives him a run for his money. So bada bing. Anyway, I've given him a run for his money a few times. <laughs> I've gotten some kills on him, but it's very few and far between. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a maniac a he's really with his fire emblem characters. But okay, now speaking of people who listen to the show and friends of ours friends of the show supporters you know we've got that uh that old inbox over at the fanboy podcast at gmail.com and there's a couple of emails we wanted to shout out this week and kind of address one we kind of already went through with from, yes. from our friend Eugene Tan he wanted us to talk about the idea of the video game adaptations finally getting good and this and that and Eugene we 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 covered that i meant to read your email at the beginning yes. of it but we got inspired but that was but, that was uh, for you yeah, thanks <laughs> that was for you thanks for sending in that topic but Nicholas Wade sent in an interesting one and he yes. brings up like four different points and it's a long read. So I feel like I'm going to read and then at the end of each point, we'll just respond then and then yes. I'll go to the next one and then we'll respond then. Okay. But uh, he sent an email uh, from this is Nicholas Wade. He says uh, it's titled a few comments on the DCU past, present and future. He says, first, I want to say how much I look forward to your weekly installments of the Fanboy Podcast and have actively followed your work from LRM to the Revengers. In fact, on LRM, you actually read and discussed the question I posed about whether the CW and the direct-to-video DC animated line were tests for possible moves to the big screen. I feel as if time continues to validate my belief that this was indeed true prior to the new DC leadership and will continue to do so. By the way, Nicholas, I do remember that. I remember having that conversation. I remember you sending in that question. Uh, and yeah, it looks like uh, in, in certain ways it was a testing ground for some of the stories they want to tell. Lord knows it seems like uh, Dwayne Johnson was taking notes on the animated film that had Black Adam and Superman fighting. But, um, but okay, continuing. I wanted to write this previously, but with the volume of DC related news and me knowing you and Brett would cover it, I held off, but wanted to share a couple of points. 
some repeats from what you two have already covered, and pose a couple of questions before I just outright forget or get apathetic. Well, okay, that's fair enough. So here's his first point. It cannot be overstated how Walter Amada, Hamada, once seen as a stabilizer coming into the position in comparison to the tumultuous leadership and decisions that preceded him, was grossly ineffective, if not negligent. And the results of his tenure essentially forced Zaslav's hand in appointing Gunn and Safran, as well as the decisions Gunn has already made or in the process of doing so. When looking at Hamada's tenure at the DCEU, it is almost impressive to see how little of an impact he really had on any fiscal or creative success. For example, Aquaman was already in production. Shazam was modest at best. Joker was really discounted by those at WB until the teaser trailer showed they had something else on their hands, therefore an unintended success by the brass. I should add, by the way, that apparently the, the, the finances on that movie were handled so poorly that even though Joker made it like a billion, Warner Brothers saw very little of that. So Hamada kind of dropped the ball there too. But continuing on, the Batman was inherited. Birds of Prey was not a financial success like the Suicide Squad wasn't either. Um, both creatively satisfying. Wonder Woman 1984 was, in short, a hot mess. And Black Adam, well, we know how that turned out. <laughs> Even if people want to give him credit for green lighting a sequel to Aquaman, The Batman, and The Joker... These were not difficult decisions to make. He's true. Like anyone in that position would have done that. Uh, difficult positions, uh, decisions to make as they were the only real examples of both creative and financial success. This still leaves the much desired Wonder Woman 1984, the lackluster performance of Birds of Prey and the Suicide Squad, and Shazam Fury of the Gods, looks meh, has yet to debut much like The Flash with all of its production history. And then there was Black Adam. And even if some wish to throw him some credit for the productions on the CW or HBO Max, it can be argued he did not control any of those. Maybe Peacemaker. Only in green lighting gun to do it. But anyway, the only real excuse one could possibly give him would be if when taking the position he was given parameters about what he could or could not do that may have tied his hands on some creative decision making if these parameters existed i do not believe they have been reported if they do it would be interesting to speculate what they could have been that forced him to do as little as he did and creatively he was willing to allow significant inconsistencies in character and plot development through multiple films. I am looking at you, WW84 and Black Adam, by using the Flash to reset if necessary. While I am excited and optimistic about the film coming out, this get-out-of-jail-free card is nothing short of lazy leadership. Heck, I am sure he was willing to say any continuity errors could be seen as time variations or ripples caused by the speed force, thus forcing the flash to intervene. If anything, this would make sense. This would make sense why anyone would have greenlit Batgirl in the form that it was creatively. 
So let's just part. Uh, let's just focus on that one. Walter Hamada was a feckless and ineffectual leader of DC. That's something we can now opine on now that his tenure has ended. And it's interesting for me because I was there at the beginning when he was first announced, and I was there trying to get a sense for what the hell it is he's going to do with this DC brand that he had inherited. And now we hear our word together doing the show when his tenure came to an unceremonious end and we heard that like batgirl got canceled without them even telling him about it and he just kind of quietly disappeared and now he's over in like i think he's working with paramount or peacock on some horror movies nice for him but uh in terms of his tenure yeah you know I, I know that early on he was brought in because he'd had success at New Line Cinema in the horror genre, which is what he's gone directly back to. And I know that at the time, I don't know if they were parameters per se, but I know that Toby Emmerich and the people who were running Warner Brothers at the time really liked that Hamada comes from that horror world where the budgets are low and the profits are high. And it seemed like after spending lots of money on Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Justice League and not seeing the profits roll in in the ways that they were hoping for. They were hoping that Hamada could come in, tighten the belt a little bit, get those budgets down, give us some films with great simple concepts that sell themselves like horror movies do and run away to the bank. But unfortunately, they never really ran away to the bank, right? Aquaman was the big, oh, wow, we made a billion bucks. And again, that was shot before he even had the job. And then Shazam, I I love that freaking movie, but it didn't make a ton of money. I think it you know it it turned it turned a profit. It, it it wasn't a flop by any stretch, but it also wasn't some runaway success that now suddenly made Shazam a household name. Everyone's psyched about. Um, you go, yeah, again, Birds of Prey, Suicide Squad, like none of these things really moved. You know, it shook the world, and. Uh, at the end of the day, his run didn't amount to terribly much. And on the contrary, the plan that he had tried to leave in his wake of all these pocket universes and all these different networks in the multiverse has been systematically dismantled as soon as the new leadership came in because they thought, this is really stupid. We have Titans with a Batman. We have Matt Reeves directing Batman. We've got the Ben Affleck Batman. We have a you know, like members. I, I go back to that because he said, we're not going to have four Batman. Like that yeah. line always showed me that Zaslav came in, heard what was going on and said, what the hell are we doing, Walter? You know, so, um, yeah, I guess I can't argue with anything Nicholas had to say there. I think Hamada at the end of the day was... He was just kind of there. He had some ideas. None of it really took off or went anywhere or saved or reestablished the DC brand in a meaningful way. And now he's just gone. I don't know. Am I missing anything, Brett? Was there anything there about Walter that you think he deserves some more credit for? No, I mean, I when you when you when you lay it out like that, Nicholas. I mean, yeah, it's like it <laughs> seems like he was pretty ineffective. He was just kind of there. And then, you know, specifically, I'll just speak to the last little paragraph um, about, you know, creatively, um, you know, you were saying he was willing to allow significant inconsistencies in character and plot development through films, mentioned a couple. But yeah, I mean, I want to say too, like, I mean, Hamada doesn't also like strike me as like the James Gunn type. I wonder if he was like, even having like, super in-depth, thoughtful conversations about, you know, 
continuity and plot development. He was probably just like, you know, make the movie. Yeah, it looks pretty much like the character I saw before. Great. You know, like, go put it out. Let's make some money. But, like, I don't think he was looking about, like, you know, how the characterization changed and stuff. Like, I don't think he was that that was really his mo he seemed more like the the business producer guy than the uh you know and, and that's why like yeah. this is nice like peter safran is you know not to say he's bad like walter hamada but he's like he's the walter hamada he's gonna handle the money the production stuff like that and then james gunn's gonna handle the creative and i think you just had a businessman that was like in charge of like handling creative and at the end of the day, you, if you're if your main thing is like the business production side, you're probably gonna lean more towards that than the other end, you know. And if your big lightning, if your big light bulb idea is to have the Flash essentially, you know, be the etch a sketch that gets shook and fixes everything, yeah, it is kind of like just a lazy way to approach this. Yeah. Like, let's just make a big reboot, time travel, multiverse movie that solves all the inconsistencies and whatever. Like, yeah. You know, the only the only credit I'll give him is that he inherited a brand in trouble. You know, it wasn't yeah, like DC exactly. was storming the gates. You know, they, they had just had a Justice League movie that opened to ninety two million dollars. OK, like the, the, DC was not in a good position when he got that job. So he kind of had his work cut out for him. But at the end of the day, the choices he made didn't get it really back on track in a meaningful way because all the movies that came out on his tenure, it was all very kind of hit or miss and uh, the hits he can barely take credit for. So, yep. okay, moving on. And this now it's time for his second point. Nicholas says, what is interesting about James Gunn's appointment is that his success, I believe, can have some unintended consequences across other marquee franchises. For example, if he is successful in getting the DCU on track creatively, increasing buy-in from fans and non-fans alike, and is also making a bunch of money, then this could motivate Zaslav to consider something similar with the Harry Potter franchise. And it could also force the Mouse House to start taking seriously the fact that Kevin Feige will not be around forever. And it'd be prudent to start thinking about viable successors, successors to avoid similar drama. Can you imagine the MCU experiencing this drama? If they thought the feedback from audiences about Phase 4 was brutal, I mean, wow. Heck, it may even force them to establish something firmer for Star Wars as opposed to Kathleen Kennedy taking the credit earned by John Favreau and Dave Filoni for what they have accomplished. And if Gunn is not successful, this could lead to something so cataclysmic at Warner Brothers that it becomes difficult to fathom that what that would look like especially given how ridiculous the past 10 years have been. Heck, even if they roll out, even if the rollout is just okay and consistent with its mediocrity, this is a far better alternative. So that's an interesting point too. You know, we're all excited about James Gunn's DCU and all this kind of stuff. But if this goes poorly and we once again have a run of like, mediocre box office successes and movies that like, you know, barely kind of move the needle that are liked by the fans, but not really embraced by the masses. Then it's like, wow. So now we're, you know, we've buried the Snyderverse and now we replace it with DCU, which is also not exactly setting the world on fire. Will DC ever recover if DCU, if the DCU fails in some way? 
So it is, you know, that, that part of his comment there is interesting. And also, yeah, the, the, the other consequences it could have that, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see if like, if Zaslav sees like, all right, so giving this one creative lead, the folk, you know, the, the, the main final say on this property, maybe I should have a main creative lead on Harry Potter and whatever other big IP. So I could see him going that way. And in general, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of salient points there. I think yeah. Kathleen Kennedy has been very sort of hit or miss in her stewardship of Star Wars, especially early on announcing all kinds of movies by all kinds of directors and then systematically like taking those films away from their directors like Josh Trank, who never got to do his Bounty Hunter movie. Like you had Lord and Miller who got excused in the middle of Solo towards the end of Solo where Ron Howard came in and had to finish it. You had the deal with Gareth Edwards shooting Rogue One and then basically getting fired in the middle of it and then bringing in Tony Gilroy to rewrite and redirect half of that movie you know so kathleen kennedy also there was the game of thrones here. guys too weren't they supposed to do something weiss and and yes and whatever yes, the other benioff and weiss and benioff yeah benioff and weiss were going to be doing a thing yeah so kathleen yeah. kennedy has been far from a steady hand over there at lucasfilm and yeah maybe uh you know if gun has success here there might be a, a whole new wave of like hiring these these brilliant creative types to come and be the ones who oversee the IPs. It might not be but, a bad uh, idea, but then, you know, as long as they, they play ball and I think let, you know, individual directors come in and do what they want to do with franchises. But also let's not forget because this is going to be the thing. This is going to be like the stupid buzzy zeitgeisty narrative. Cause like, let's look, you know, I know we don't like to always do this comparison or some fans get pissed off, but, it's the most apt comparison, uh, as I always say. You know, like the MCU, as successful as it's been, as much as a lot of us really like it and invested in it, there have been some movies in there that didn't move the needle that well, that were kind of flat, kind of stinkers, right? We we know them. We could we could probably name yep. them right now. You know what I mean? Or the, the Dark the, World. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't uh, it hasn't been every, everything in Phase Four. <laughs> yeah, billion billion dollar franchises. So like, you know. Yeah. That's the thing is that like, you know, let's say, you know, whatever comes out first from the chapter one of this thing comes out and is a big success. Like it does. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be like crazy. Say it does Joker number. Let's say it does Batman numbers or, or you know, gets close to a, a billion, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred million. All right. We have a big success, yeah. you know, uh, financially and, you know, uh, you know, in the eyes of the critics. But then they come out with, you know, Blue Beetle. I don't know. And that one hits hits like a Thor Dark World or or like, you know, like a like a Shazam, you know, immediately, you know, every single fucking person with a Twitter account <laughs> and a podcast, probably us, too, that is going to be jumping up on there being like, oh, it's a failure. This whole thing's a mess. It's a disaster. They can't get it off the ground. Gun sucks. There's going to be all this buzz. And it's like you, you have to understand, though, it, it's just like not every single one is going to be a winner. And listen, if he comes out and everyone is everything is a winner, well then great, we're eating good. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, I just I just want to like temper people because it's more just I just don't want to be annoyed by people jumping down the throat of the DCU if like one of the early projects maybe is not quite up to par. Like we got to give yeah. them a little time. We can't just go, yeah. okay, one movie was good, the second movie sucked. Oh, it's over. Oh, meltdown. You know everyone's gonna be doing that. All the Snyderverse people are gonna be coming out going, see, you should have just stuck with Zack Snyder. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like I, I'm I'm waiting for that because you know that's what's gonna yeah. happen here. But um, yeah, yeah. Listen, if if Gun is not successful, I don't know what the fuck they're gonna do. They're they're in 
deep shit, honestly. By the way, yeah, I know. I know. And I think that's the biggest thing about that second point from Nicholas that I'm like, yeah, it's that would be an issue if this goes poorly. Uh oh. What are we and I don't now? think and I don't think that the, the consistent mediocrity and the just OK is a better alternative. I, I think it's it, it needs to be a, a, a great success or it good success. Be pretty great. There can be a few stinkers in there. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, but like, yeah, we can't we can't have black atoms. You know what I mean? No. But there could be ones that are a little perform a little lower, you know, that makes yeah. sense. But hopefully that's like the ancillary characters. That's the thing too is like you forgot Thor. Thor wasn't an A-list character when those movies came out. I, you know, no, I, and now he, he is. You know, yeah. listen, yeah. Iron Man, Captain America, all those, all the Avengers they brought in this movie were all B, C, D. Look at the Guardians of the Galaxy. Those were D-listers. Who knew about the yeah. Guardians unless you were a hardcore Marvel fan? You know, and he, so, yeah. So if, if some of these yeah. like ones come out, like you know that are that are some of like the B C tier, and they you know do a little middling, I think that'll be okay. But yeah, we obviously can't have Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. We can't have those yeah. being the Thor Dark Worlds. You know what I mean? No. But if yeah, if there's a Blue Beetle, you know, in there, a Plastic Man that's like a Thor Dark World, things you yeah. know, life will go on. It'll be a nice little niche project. Some people will be happy with it and won't affect things too much. But that's the yep. thing is like, you know, uh, there's going to there's gonna be ones you're going to plan that are going to be, you know, eh, we're only going to do this with this, but it's going to gain some kind of traction somewhere, whether it's just grabbing some fans in, um, whether it's just showing some variety, you know, you have to do that, you know, and it's, I think I think James Gunn is, is not stupid. And uh, hopefully the studio itself is not stupid. You know, uh, I think, yeah. you know, Marvel even knows that. Listen, with all, you know, like I said, I just recently I rewatched Infinity War and Endgame, which are like they're they are excellent they hold up i think they're they're great um you know but they know i think that you know not they know they need to have variety and, and give other opportunities and you know that's kind of i think what we got in this phase four so far that's been kind of like you know the reception's been a little mixed right i think even from us yeah. who are pretty big fans of all the stuff oh, um yeah. it's been pretty mixed so Marvel understands though that like sometimes you need to just throw a little variety out there, even if it's not you know an A plus you know superstar show. Um, yeah. You know I think I think they're not stupid like blind to that fact. They're not they're not releasing all these things thinking everything's gonna be a monster hit. I think they know, but they yeah. they give a little bit to everybody. So I don't know. By the way, quick detour because you brought up the Batman and what the Batman earned, right? You know, as a comparison for like yeah. hopefully some of these DC. I know I, I know I, that was a thing, right? Everyone's like, it didn't really do that good. I, I actually wanted to comment on that because I I, yeah. I I heard something interesting recently that that films that were shot in 2020, films that were made during the COVID era, uh, it automatically added about 30 percent to the budget because the COVID protocols were so stringent. And the safety that, people you have to hire to monitor everything yeah. and all the stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And, and the stop and go with cast members getting. So remember, Robert Pattinson got COVID during production. He got COVID like three times during stuff. production, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, so that got me in, interested, be, intrigued, because I'm like, well, if if thirty percent, you know, if the if the budget increased by thirty percent, right, thirty percent of a two hundred million dollar movie, because that's what they say it costs to make. It yeah, it's like seventy million, right, or something mil, like that. It's like yeah. $60 million. Yeah. So that means that the Batman without 
the COVID situation was really a $140 million budgeted movie, which really explains why they like that $770 million return. You know, and it seems like the people in charge know that like the next one ain't going to cost that much, you know, because Matt Reeves is not doing these as these huge CG fests anyway. These are detective noir stories and a lot of the infrastructure is already there. So they're not going to have to build all these sets again. They're not going to have to do your pioneer all the things that they had to pioneer to make the first one. You know, so they know the budgets for the sequels are probably going to go down, if anything, especially because it's not being yeah. shot during 2020 when everything was insane with the COVID protocols. So I just wanted to put that out there, too, because like, yeah, I, I would hear that chatter, too, like, oh, it cost 200 million to make and it made 770. That's 100 million dollars less than Batman versus Superman. Why are they happy about this? But they're not happy about Batman versus Superman. And it's like, again, they also the critical reception. Budget, I mean, you know, like, listen, I, you know, you know, it's a matter. business. It's about money. Obviously, of course it is. You know what I mean? But like, I think when you see like they could look at that and go, OK, let's say, OK, yeah, it did perform 100 million less than Batman or Superman. But the critical reception is so much higher. So it's like, all right, but at least that gave us some goodwill. And that also means yeah. that, like, you're probably going to get more eyes back on the sequel, which, like you said, will probably cost potentially cost less depending how big he goes with it and uh yeah like exactly so like that, that's the thing is you can't discount that we always want to talk about money and just money 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 but it's like yeah but there could be a trade-off with the money if the critical reception is good because that just looks good for your studio it looks good for the brand it looks good for everything um yep. and i think people discount that a lot or don't mention that online when i see people you know bickering so now back to nicholas's email point number three i think i should random <laughs> go for it please do Point number three, random. But can we talk about how useless Judge Abrams has been throughout the entire tenure with Warner Brothers? After the ridiculous contract to utilize him and Bad Robot, I do not believe he has delivered on anything, and one would think the low-hanging fruit would have been the DCEU. Well, Nicholas, hello, I'm Judge Abrams, and I want to tell you I've been working very hard on the DCU, and I'm going to reveal stuff soon. No, I don't know. Yeah, he hasn't done, nothing's come out, right? They haven't Anything. released Shit. Anything like how many projects? Justice League. I mean, was that the only one that was like my name? Justice yeah, there's League. one that was like mentioned somehow. And in general, like, what is what what successful project with J.J. Abrams attached has come out since the rise of the Skywalker? I, I don't think anything. He's yeah. been basically dormant since the rise of Skywalker. So yeah, whatever Warner Media, whatever you know, paid to bring Bad Robot in house and pay J.J. Abrams to you know, have fight uh, right of first refusal and let him bring his mega producer powers to their studio, it's been for naught. Okay, want, and, uh, no, it's a five year deal that they closed in like September 2019. We are now in January 2023. Halfway done. Under yeah. two years left of this and nothing has come out um apparently Yikes. i've seen a couple of projects they were starting to get off the ground but there's been budget concerns and then there's reports from may earlier this year that zaslav is like not happy with this deal that i went with the hamada make this <laughs> was this a hamada deal um yep. yeah like apparently he's like what the fuck are we people it was a lot of money too i forgot how much money i just had it up i closed it out but um that was a big deal i want to find that out yeah Damn. okay <laughs> 
I'm getting ready with you. I found it so quick. $250 million for five years, and he has not come out with He's produced dick all. Yeah, that's nice. And meanwhile, too, like there was a, you know, it's funny because he got a bad reputation at Paramount, too, because like he had, I think they had him on an exclusive deal. Because he was producing the Mission Impossible movies for them. Right. And then he found a way out of it to go make the Star Wars movies for Disney, for Lucasfilm, while under contract for Paramount. So it's like, we're paying you all this money to produce original content for us, but you're making $2 billion movies for Disney. You know, so Abrams has a, a kind of a track record now of like taking the studio's money and uh, not necessarily making any money for that studio with it. Smart. And granted, the Mission Impossible <laughs> movies are they're successful, but like they, they they're expecting much more. You know, he's the Uber producer, you know, and where all these different franchises and TV shows and things that are supposed to be coming from your central, you know. Yeah. Whatever your central hive there, so money for uh, nothing, yeah. and the chicks for free, right? Bam. <laughs> okay, Nicholas's fourth point. Also random, not to beat a dead horse with Cavill, but I think we have not really looked at all the announcements of him returning to Superman and leaving The Witcher with some additional scrutiny. For example, who the heck leaves an internationally successful streaming property to a plague? written role franchise and universe without a signed contract furthermore who in their right mind would make such broad announcements without a contract in their possession even if the answer was simply for him and the even if the answer was simply that him and the rock were pressuring the studio i do recall others in their orbit aldis hodge i believe talking about multiple projects when signing on to their respective roles either the rock was really able to brilliantly bs his way through everyone and have them and having them believed this newly conjured Black Adam rebooted DCEU universe was going to stick, or there was some legitimacy these conversations with those with, with those in leadership. I think I, there was a missing word there, but either way, I'm going to keep going. I think we know The Rock got some egg on his face with the fallout of Cavill and Superman, but there have been a lot of future conversations even prior to Zaslav with several of these properties that either support there was some, some form of formal idea taking shape at Warner Brothers about the DCEU's future, or these players are giving unsubstantiated plans, details, and or rumors during interviews or social media posts. If this is true, I would like to go back to my first point about how Hamada simply had no control to begin with. Well, Nicholas, you're I mean, not allowed another... to go back to your first point. You're just not allowed to do that. <laughs> That's it. We're going to have to you're cut you off right there. No, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, the, the, the sh my short answer to this is that there were no contracts or anything in place for anybody. It's pretty clear. If there was a contract for Henry, then that would be a different story. But basically, they were able to just tell him to leave because uh, there wasn't a contract in place. Right. And it seems like what happened here was the case of. Dwayne Johnson putting on his producer pants and feel and saying like, if we just flood the airwaves with the fact that there's all of these exciting world building plans and we tease them with Superman and we tease them with justice society and we tease them with all this, you know, 
people are going to get excited. People love world building. People love all this kind of stuff. So when Black Adam makes a ton of money, we're, we, we're going to get the, uh, the Midas touch. We're going to get the green light to make whatever we want after this. And he was basically just trying to force the hand of the studio to go yeah. along with plans during that power vacuum that we've discussed across several episodes here on the show. So, yeah, it is insanely perplexing that he would leave The Witcher, although apparently that wasn't just about Superman. Apparently he wasn't happy with where the series was going in the next season. He's apparently a big stickler for the books and yeah. was not a fan of where, where the showrunner wanted to take things moving forward. So apparently he had his own challenges and, and reasons for not wanting to do The Witcher. But yes, going out on that limb, doing the big interviews, doing the big sort of press releases that they did announcing all this stuff without a contract in play just really shows what a naked power grab this was by Dwayne Johnson. He felt like if I put this out into the zeitgeist enough, I'm going to will this into existence. And when yeah, he was trying Black to pull. Movie, yeah. Yeah. And when my Black Adam movie does great business, who's going to stop me? And then yeah. it didn't do great business and he got his legs cut off. <laughs> Banking on like a groundswell of fan support and Twitter mobs to like really make that come true, and yeah, it it didn't it didn't work. Oh, that it didn't work. I don't think I don't think the groundswell was loud enough, and you know, then Black Adam just didn't didn't perform. You know, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I it was definitely like it was a bold move on the Rock's part, and uh, you know, uh, Henry Cavill's you know manager and team. I, I think they just uh, I think they made a bad bet. It was a power play that blew up in his face. And now he does have egg on his face and he caused all this weird sort of drama and upheaval. And, uh, you know, at a time when he knew that David Zaslav was out there looking for the person who's going to steer the DC ship. Dwayne's going out there into business for himself, trying to set up his own little Black Adam universe at New Line Cinema and center it all around him. That's why I still, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, say good riddance to Mr. Johnson. Um, and now for the final point from Nicholas, do you remember Zaslav talking about four Batman running around? It seems he was talking about Affleck, Keaton, Pattinson, and a yet-to-be-cast Terry McGinnis. The fact that Warner Brothers was thinking of solely using Keaton to justify a Batman Beyond franchise highlights the disconnect leadership had with the source material. The animated show was successful not because it decided to pass the mantle to a new face, but it was able to still build on a universe that fans were entrenched in for 10 years while giving a new Batman and world their due. I would give anything to have been in the room where Hamada explained the current and future plans to Zaslav, who was connected enough to reality to sit there and think, what exactly is going on here? It cannot be underscored enough that the substance of that conversation was so poor that Zaslav had to take act, to take the actions that he did. And then he apologizes for taking up so much of our time. But Nicholas, thank you for that very, very thoughtful email. You brought up a lot of great points. And uh, thanks for the support over the years. I hope, I hope if you haven't yet, you can get over to the your Apple Podcast app and leave us a nice review because we've still been at 79. I want my 80th review, okay? 
But okay, Nicholas. So when it comes to your points here about the four Batman and Batman Beyond, I mean, yeah, it shows like a fundamental lack of understanding about what worked about that. Because yeah, you know, you can't, the, the, the reason Batman Beyond worked is because we already had this established relationship and it, it, it was it was a sequel series to the animated series in a lot of ways, right? So in this particular case, just suddenly coming out with a Batman Beyond with a Terry McGinnis we've never met and there's never been, you know, we, 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 like not really following up on anything that happened with Michael Keaton's Batman would would have just been kind of like out of nowhere and trying to just cash in on the the IP the the name value of look we have old man Keaton and uh, we're gonna get a new Batman and uh, you know I I agree that that yeah. you like was, Michael Keaton and the name movie. Batman Beyond right <laughs> it's like well yeah. what we got a show for you those are really um, hot right now yeah. yeah so yes so I don't did you have anything else you wanted to add about that Brian? no no that. That's exactly it. It just, yeah, like they were, they were just spinning the, too many plates at once and kept putting more in the air and just like with no idea like how they were going to land or how they were going to keep them spinning. It just, it, it, and on top of that, and putting sorry. Michael Keaton, the prestigious Michael Keaton, putting him in that CW looking Batgirl movie was also just like, who's calling the shots here? Who's in charge? Yeah. Who thought that was a good idea? That now, after we reestablish him in The Flash, we're going to put him in a straight-to-TV Batgirl movie with a suit with a Batgirl who looks like she's wearing a Party City costume. It would have diminished Michael Keaton's value right out of the gate. You know what I mean? It would have yeah. just cut off his momentous return before it even really had a chance to really flourish. So... Just head scratching decisions. Screw Walter Hamada. Screw yeah. Dwayne Johnson. And screw episode 175 of the Fanboy Podcast because we are done, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, if you have any questions or concerns or anything you want us to discuss on a future episode, please email it to thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us over on the Twitter at the Fanboy Show. You can find Brett at SuperBrettCon on the Twitter, and you can find me at Superman on Film. And until next week, be kind. Stay fanboy. Adios.